Blog Talk Radio. What a pleasure it is to begin our chat. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm very good. I just uh, I saw your film, The Letterman, and it is such a moving, compassionate film. It's just it does its job. As a filmmaker, director, you have done your job with this uh, film. Thank you. Thank you so much. That means a lot. Now, I understand that uh, this film is based on a true story, and it was selected mm-hmm. by the Tribeca Film Festival. It uh, had a world premiere as, there. So tell us, because I, want, I, I always like to ask the filmmakers to give their synopsis in their own words. So tell us more about The Letterman. Sure. So I came across uh, long story. Came across a BBC article a few years ago about the discovery of the largest collection of gay love letters uh, sent between two soldiers uh, from the 19, 1939 to 1941. Um, it was over 200 letters. Uh, super fascinated by this as a gay filmmaker. You know, I, I want to tell. Uh, LGBTQ plus stories. So I reached out to Mark, uh, who owns the letters. Uh, he's a like a small town museum curator, uh, like two hours north of London. Uh, went over, uh, met Mark, met Mark and his family, and and won the option um, to tell their story. So that kind of set off the process of spending two years of uh, doing research about LGBTQ plus rights during that time, and then also just kind of uh, looking and reading all of the letters and like figuring out, you know, how, what is the best story to tell? Um, you know, there's so much, uh, detail in all of these letters, um, that Gordon sent to Gilbert. Um, so was, you know, uh, last year I, you know, I had been in the process of, of working on a bigger film, uh, slash TV series for Gilbert and Gordon. And, and I was like, you know what? I just want to like make a short film that's like a little proof of concept. Um, you know, that really gets across my vision and how I would tell Gilbert and Gordon's story. So that's kind of how the short, The Letterman, came to be, um, you know, and, and the exciting part about the short, at least in my eyes, is that, you know, uh, the story tells, uh, you, if, when you watch the film, you know, you'll hear a letter, um, you know, that was written by uh, Gordon Boucher, um, and those are his actual real words that he had said that he wrote, you know, during that time, you know, I did take a little bit of creative liberty and like pull different pieces from different letters um, just to kind of make a a cohesive narrative. But those are his words. So, yeah. Just a fascinating story. Now, the gentleman who had possession of the letters, Mark, is he a family member or, or what? No, he actually, it's like an incredible story as well, how he kind of discovered them. So he's like a, small town museum curator. So it's kind of like a local museum. Um, and so he just was one day just browsing eBay and on eBay, he typed in his town on Westry and this letter came up. Uh, one of the letters came up and so he bought it because he thought, Oh, it might be fun. It was sent from a, a soldier during world war two. It might be fun to display in the museum. Um, and as you know, time went on, more letters started popping up on eBay. So he kept buying them. And then I think after his, like, 15th letter, he realized something was different and that, that, you know, this letter that he was reading was written from one man to another 
Um, and so that's when he reached out to the person selling the letters and bought all of them. Um, the how the letters came to be on eBay is that you know uh, Gilbert, um, which uh, kept the letters um, throughout his entire life, so he kept these letters, Gilbert Bradley, until when he passed away. Um, he uh, well, somebody came in and like kind of went through his things and and sold off of some of his things, so it kind of got. The letters got passed like a military reseller that got put up on eBay. So, okay. Well, now, are there any uh, family members of either Gordon or Gilbert that you met or consulted with, or how did that go? I know that um, Mark has talked to a couple cousins of Gilbert's um, in the past, and when I went out to my second trip to the UK, this is about like a year and a half after I had originally optioned the rights. Um, I went out with my husband and then I also brought my mom. Uh, we went out and kind of dug through all of the letters and took, took photocopies of them and I got to meet uh, one of Gilbert's friends. Um, so I got to learn uh, a little bit more about Gilbert and, and what kind of uh, man he was and, and, you know, really kind of just like think about, you know, how wild it was that, you know, the fact that their relationship, it went from, you know, 1938 when they met and they they uh, broke up in 1941, you know, but the fact that, you know, Gilbert kept these 200 love letters, you know, from his sweetheart, you know, it, it really was amazing. Obviously, he still, you know, was, you know, was still, you know, not necessarily in love with him, but still had love for, for sure. Gordon. So. Now, I'm assuming this was for World War, during World War Two. Yep. Okay, okay. Just fascinating. I am so fascinated by certain aspects of history. Right. And um, anyway, to see this. So, okay, uh, without revealing, of course, too much, what can you just give us some, uh, the listeners, an example of just what, what, you know, these two, of course, they were in love, but, I mean, were they just talking about everyday occurrences in their lives, or just what were some of the letters about? You know, it was about the, the struggles of the time um, and, and what they both were experiencing. You know, we we only have the letters that Gordon sent uh, to Gilbert. So we have 200 letters that Gordon wrote to Gilbert. So we don't have any of the responses that Gilbert sent back to Gordon. But we do. But throughout the letters, you can kind of decipher. You know, because they would send like a letter a week or a letter, you know, two letters a week. You could kind of see what they were talking about, you know, because they would respond, you know, Gordon would respond to questions from Gilbert's previous letter. Um, you know, we, you know, Gilbert entered uh, the British Army first, so he kind of went off first. Um, and Gordon ended up uh, helping Gilbert's family. So Gordon moved in with uh, Gilbert's parents um, and helped his family during the war. So in the first, you know, year and a half, two years of, the, their relationship, you know, Gilbert was in the military and Gordon was uh, at home um, living with Gilbert's family. So you kind of got to hear about his life and, and what was it like, uh, you know, living with his family and helping take care of Gilbert's family. And then also, like, what was very interesting is just, like, hearing about, you know, queer culture during that time. Um, and while, you know, at, at that specific time, if, you know, it was very much, you know, a, a, a no-no to be, you know, queer or gay. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was something you kind of kept close to the chest. Um, but 
there were things that, like, because the war was happening, queer culture kind of thrived because everybody was looking a different way. So in London, there were gay bars, there were drag queens, you know, they, were, they would put on drag shows. Um, and we got to hear in the letters uh, all about Gordon's experiences going to them. Um, you know, there were a couple crazy, uh, what, specifically one of the um, letters, you know, talked about Gordon leaving a bar with his friends. And it was during when the blitz was happening and he had to run and take shelter in a subway tunnel. Um, and so that kind of drew the inspiration um, for, you know, visually in the film, we see uh, Gordon writing this letter to Gilbert. And we got that from, you know, knowing that that was the true thing that actually happened to him, that he had to, you know, run down into a subway station and he would write letters down there waiting for the, you know, the Nazi planes to, to finish bombing and fly away or be destroyed. How dangerous, uh, not only it being in a wartime, uh, but also just, you know, being in the, in the, you know, gay culture. So in your research, what would have happened since both of these gentlemen were in the military? What if, what would have happened to them as far as the military is concerned if they had, uh, their secret had been, been uh, discovered? Um, you know, obviously it, it, it was, it, it, was different for each person, you know, but there are experiences, you know, that people share about, you know, whether or not they were, you know, beaten, beaten by people if they were, you know, their sexuality was discovered, if they were imprisoned, you know, tortured, or just kicked out of the military. So, you know, it was very much, it was a strange time, um, you know, obviously this, this, this event, this World War II was happening, you know, so people weren't as focused on, you know, uh, the morality, you could say, in the moment, because they needed the labor, they needed the men to go out and fight the Nazis. Um, but it was it was very much, you know, something that you just, you did not talk about. So, um, and then obviously, uh, a little bit after the war uh, is when the UK specifically really clamped down on gay culture, and that's when they, you know, passed a law that criminalized it, um, and, you know, for a hundred percent, you know, if you were discovered to be uh, gay, you would be imprisoned. Very scary times indeed, my goodness. Well, are there any uh, 200 letters? Did any of them contain uh, any pictures of, of uh, Gilbert or Gordon? We do, So we have one picture of Gilbert's. Mm -hmm. Um, from that time, and after hours and hours of looking, I have not found a picture of Gordon. Oh, I know. Yeah. Still, still time to look. It's been, mm -hmm. you know, it definitely uh, Gilbert. After the the two of them kind of parted ways, you know, they were in this relationship for a few years, and they parted ways. The war went on. Um, you know, Gilbert stayed in the UK, um, and you know, speaking with his friend, though, they both kind of get a little bit of an understanding of like how his life kind of unfolded. And Gordon remains a little bit more of a mystery. He, um, we know that after the war, he did come to America. Uh, he came to Los Angeles and was a horse trainer. Um, but that's kind of all we know so far. So um, believe me, that's all, that has been on the to-do list to try to figure out, you know, uh, what more happened to, to Gordon and try to find that photo. This story is just begging for a sequel or something is is it planned or or, or a series or, or what 
Well, you know, the, the short told the story of one letter. You know, we have mm-hmm. 200 letters, and we also have, you know, countless, um, you know, uh, uh, other uh, these experiences that these, these men had during that time. You know, it can definitely be brought out and, and created something bigger um, with it. So hopefully, um, you know, with, with the excitement around the film and the fact that it's, you know, having its world premiere at Tribeca in June, that you know, we'll be able to kind of take it to the next level and, you know, try to make a feature film or a series, you know, based on the letters. I really hope so. I, as I've told my listeners before, I love watching film shorts that leave me on the edge of my seat begging for yeah. a sequel. And this is, again, yeah. one of those those films. I can see this as a multi-series, you know, Hulu, Netflix, any of right. those guides. Right. So yeah. I, I just know that you're going to have a great showing at Tribeca. Uh, plans of any other major film festivals throughout the world yet or, or what? Not yet. I mean, it was a, it was very much we – you know, found out about Tribeca, um, you know, a few months ago. And then uh, from there, the hope is to kind of start premiering it elsewhere after Tribeca. So definitely uh, be on the lookout for it, uh, premiering at um, other festivals um, in uh, the rest of this year and early next year. Absolutely. Well, Andy, you just looking at some of your body of work, it's just amazing you have done content i understand it's been viewed by over one billion times oh my god what a number uh well tell us about i understand that you and your husband are working on uh is it called the mattachine family yes the mattachine family okay tell us about that project yeah so that's uh, a feature film that i am uh, in post-production for right now that i directed in the fall and my husband's uh, and my creative partner, uh, Danny Valentine, wrote. Um, it is produced by Zach Braff, um, and it stars Nico Tortorella from Younger and Juan Pablo de Pache from Fuller House and Emily Hampshire from Schitt's Creek. Um, it's, a, it's a really beautiful indie feature about um, a, a gay couple's journey to become parents. And so, you know, we really wanted to kind of examine um, you know, LGBTQ plus people and their families. And, you know, some of us are very fortunate that after we, you know, come out and, and uh, our families accept us, accept us for who we are, but a lot of times, you know, families don't do that. So, you know, we really have to create chosen families. Um, you know, our friends become our families. Um, you know, so this film kind of explores that theme and then also what does it mean, you know, for a, a gay couple to want to become parents. How do they do that? How do they go through that process? Um, you know, this is, that film is, is very much a uh, personal story. My husband and I actually, we, after one month after wrapping the movie, we welcomed our daughter, uh, Florence, um, who is now, uh, she's five months old, almost five months old. Um, so it's been a very fun uh, time the last few months doing post for the movie and then also just, you know, spending as much time as I can with my daughter. Oh, how sweet. Oh, my gosh. She's going to be getting into those crawling months and (laughs) pulling down everything. (laughs) I know. Oh, I know. Oh, it's it's, it's coming. Oh, yeah. But it sounds like you two just can't wait and welcoming all of that. So that's great. So congratulations on that. Thanks. Very yeah, so that, that was a fully independent film. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's also, uh, like, on a similar path to 
um, Letterman, where you know we'll be aiming to premiere it at uh, film festivals either in the fall or next year. Uh, going back to the Letterman, are there any plans to show it over in the small town over in England with uh, where Mark lives, or, or have you gotten to that point yet? Oh, there, there is. Yeah, actually, I have a email from Mark that I got this morning about doing that. So oh, wow. um, I know we wanted to kind of have our our world premiere first, and then you know we wanted to be able to go back and and show the town of Oxford Street. Um, you know, really the town of Oslo Street was incredible. When I went out there, you know, I, I had an opportunity, you know, I was, of course, the, the filmmaker from L.A. with um, the, the of the town and the, and the town council, um, you know, because these letters were a big discovery for them. Yeah. Um, you know, the fact that their town, you know, this Oslo Street, I should clarify, was, was a one of the places that Gilbert was stationed so that he was there for, you know, a year and a half of, of the letters mm-hmm. um, exchanging back and forth. So um, definitely in trying to make it back to set up a little uh, showing at the theater in Oswestry Street um, in, the, in the coming months. Well, it sounds like they really rolled out the red carpet for you in that little town. That's, that's so <laughs> they cool. did. Yeah, it was nice. Uh-huh. I, I will say I'm not tough place to make it. You know, I'm not uh-huh. definitely a, a small fish. At the moment, but it was nice to head over to the UK and and uh, um, you know meet all of those people who were just excited that you know there was somebody who saw the potential in Gilbert and Gordon, you know, and and saw that you know it was something that um, you know Gordon writes himself, you know, in one of the letters that you know he hopes that uh, he goes, I think he says, um, wouldn't it be wonderful, you know, if all the world could. Uh, hear and read our letters one day mm-hmm. um, and then they'll know how much in love we are with each other so uh, you know I'm really following that motto from what you said oh my goodness he actually wrote that and now it has come to yeah. pass oh yep. Andy that is so that just touches my know, heart it's, it's so crazy <laughs> it's, it's an incredible story. oh how beautiful oh my goodness so that's so touching yeah well, okay, lastly, um, website, social media handles as to how people can get more information about the Letterman and just follow the success and the track record of it. Yeah, um, absolutely. You can follow me on Instagram uh, at Andy Valentine. Uh, and I have two L's, V-A-L-L-E-N-T-I-N-E in my name. Okay. Um, I will be posting all the latest information about the Letterman. Also, we have a website, uh, thelettermanfilm.com, um, which has our teaser trailer up. Um, and then uh, uh, soon, uh, you know, probably in a few months, we'll, we'll, after it's had its festival run, we'll post it online as well. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Wow. Well, congratulations on uh, having a I mean, Thank you. world premiere at Tribeca next month. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. So, uh, congratulations yeah. on that. So, Thank you, Andy, so much for giving us the, the backstory and the making of The Letterman. It's such a beautiful story. And, you know, just the, the film is good, but then the making of, of how the film came about is even more beautiful. So thank you twice with all this beauty. No, no problem. Thank you for talking. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to another edition of Film Festival Radio. 
with your host, Janice Malone. Be sure to download this and other episodes at filmfestivalradio.com.